I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Look, I know what you're thinking right now. Ever since basketball came back, you can't get buckets out of your head. And we're not just talking about basketball buckets. We're talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. You watch them, you crave them. That's how it works. I get it. It happens to me all the time. One minute, I'm talking about buckets on the podcast. The next minute, I'm daydreaming about the $10 Mighty Bucket for two. I mean, how could you get your mind off? Four pieces of chicken, two original recipe tenders, two individual fries, two dips, and of course, a popcorn chicken. But don't worry. It's normal. It even happens to most NBA players during actual games. Just means you're hungry. So order your bucket online at KFC.ca and get it before tip-off. Now back to the program. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This episode is presented by KFC. Uh, joining me on this week's episode to preview the uh, much-anticipated Raptors-Celtics second-round playoff matchup is a podcast favorite, Brad. Brad, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing some uh, Celtics research right now. Not going to lie, um, very impressed by this team. I would like to uh, slander them, but this is not one of those times. Uh, maybe we can wait until after the series when the Raptors have uh, actually put this team to bed, but it's a pretty damn good team. What are your first impressions when you're thinking about this series between the Raptors and the Celtics? Uh, first impressions are they have a lot of very functional players. One of the things that the Raptors like to do is force the ball out of the hands of the star player. So in this case, Jason Tatum and kind of distribute those shots to other guys but in the case of the Celtics, if you're like distributing shots to Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown uh, and formerly Gordon Hayward, um, they are very capable players. And uh, so that's not necessarily going to lead to a decrease in efficiency. Um, and, and that's not always the case, uh, you know, with other teams, you know, against the Nets, you get the ball out of Karis LeVert's hands. And now, you know, Garrett Temple's putting up 10 threes and, and you win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, not as straightforward. I mean, look, the Raptors defensively, um, obviously a very good team on the whole, but the Celtics in, I think, each of the four games. So they scored 112 in the first one, 118 in the second one. That was on Christmas. Regrettable game. Only 97 uh, the day after. That was uh, the comeback game. Um, And then most recently, 122. So the Celtics have been really damn good offensively against the Raptors. Uh, at least in three of those four games. And when you look at it, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they do have some pretty, pretty impressive offensive pieces. Um, actually, you know, I, I want to sort of circle back to Tatum a little bit later on um, because even though he's their best offensive player, I feel like, you know, where the Raptors are going to get burnt in this series, if they do, is with Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. I've been uh, watching a lot of tape of these two guys Um Let's start with Jalen. So he averaged 23 points in the four games against the Raptors. He shot 56% from the field, uh, <laughs> shot 50% from three as well. That's uh, three of six uh, on average. He got, you know, he got his rebounds, got the assists, whatever, um, and defended um, Pascal Siakam. I mean, I think maybe there's this perception out there that Jalen Brown is like a premium 3 and D guy, like he's some sort of like auto porter type. Can we just go ahead and dispel that right now? Jalen Brown is a very, very good offensive player. 
Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of weapons. He can attack the basket. Uh, he's good defensively, obviously. You know, a little a little bit of uh, uh, shot creation. He I watched the uh, I just went through some of the footage from the most recent Raptors Celtics game, and he threw like a sixty foot bounce oh pass yeah. on the fast break. The one to Gordon Hayward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he, he's not just like a, a three and D guy. He's, he's got more skills than that. Yeah. I think, you know, when you think about Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, even Gordon Hayward, those guys are all pretty skilled guys. So maybe defensively, uh, Jalen Brown's lower down the list of priorities and, you know, you help off of him a little bit because those other guys are dangerous, but Jalen's been really good. I mean, I think Raptors fans should know this, that he's, he's really good. He's really confident offensive player too. Um, you know, I would say there are players that have some skills but aren't necessarily as confident. I think Hayward, oddly enough, falls into that, although he's not going to be in the series. Um, you know, to a much lesser extent, OG is another guy who's not as confident offensively. Jalen Brown, I think his confidence surpasses his actual ability, and I think that's actually a good thing for him because he's really willing to – I mean, he's really improved his, like, off-the-dribble game. Like, he can get to the mid-range, get to the post – and then hit like turnaround jumpers. It's not necessarily the most efficient forms of offense, but the fact that he's willing to take those as a supposed, what, third, fourth option is ridiculous. Um, and he's really good in transition too. And I think transition is also an area where Raptors just got to win in transition because oddly enough, in these games, when I was watching them back, the Celtics were in transition a lot and the Raptors had really struggled. Um, I, I read one stat from John Schulman of NBA.com who, uh, who pointed out that the Raptors scored 13 or less points in transition in all four games against the Celtics. And that they had wow. only, they'd only done that, I think, something like 10 times on all season. So Celtics have really been good in transition. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, uh, one of the things that I like about Jalen Brown, too, is I think he is a very smart player. Um, and, you know, some, some guys are, like, very hard-headed about the way they play, and they won't make adjustments to their style and stuff like that. And I feel like the Celtics, including Jalen Brown, have a lot of guys where they, they don't necessarily play with their ego. They're just trying to do the right thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and in the case of Tatum and Brown, because they're so young, they're constantly learning and evolving their game. And, uh, and, and so they're, you know, they, they can really do some damage. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say this, but the Celtics remind me a lot of the Raptors. Um, you know, yeah. good on good on both sides of the ball. They're actually better offensively than the Raptors are on that side of the ball. I guess that's not necessarily that surprising. Um, defensively, the Raptors are better, but the Celtics are pretty damn good. They're top five there, too. And, um, yeah, as you mentioned, they play unselfish. They play fast. Uh, and they have a smart coach, too. Like, when you, when you watch a, a lot of Celtics games, which I don't recommend because the broadcast is – just awful. Um, just watch the other team's broadcast. A hundred percent, no matter who it is. Okay. Even if it's like the Spurs or whatever, you know, other <laughs> biased broadcasts, just anyone's better than Tommy. But, uh, you know, the Celtics are really good. Uh, they're, they're really well coached. I mean, first off, most of the guys are coachable. It's not a guy on this team that like refuses to play defense or refuses to pass or plays only one way. Maybe Kemba's like the closest to that, but Kemba's a pretty decent team player too. And, and even in terms of Kemba's defense, he he's not like Kyrie where it's like he's just going to get ghosted on that end. Mm-hmm. He still is going to give you major effort mm-hmm. and that goes a long way. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I think that's a product of good co- like good coaching. I mean, I, I wouldn't say 
Charlotte has had the best coaches over the years, but the fact that he played so many years under Steve Clifford, um, Steve's going to make you defend, period. Like, you just look at the magic. They're, they're oddly competitive against the Bucks, Even though they're down 3-1, they almost won uh, game four. Um, because they defend. And, and Kemba's sort of come from that school uh, of thought. But going back to Jalen, I mean, um, okay, so, you know, his strength right now, you know, he's pretty pretty good at attacking a closeout, getting to the rim. He's really good at attacking in transition. Um, you know, his three-point shot, his jumper overall, it doesn't feel like it should be as good as it is, but he's confident with it, and he's hitting a good percentage of it this year. Like, I'm pretty sure you and I both agree that Pascal is just going to be the defensive assignment there. Like, is there something the Raptors can do to limit Jalen's um, efficiency and also output offensively? Like, I, I think there is, but I think it involves helping off of other guys. Okay. And, and I think he sort of, in terms of the offensive threats, it would be, you, you would potentially expose yourself to getting, you know, 30 points dropped on you by Walker or Tatum. And so I, I think you're right. It, it's probably just going to be a straight up uh, defensive assignment and, uh, and the Raptors will kind of live with it. Even if he ends up being the leading scorer for the Celtics for the series, I, I think that would be a great result for the Raptors. That's a good point too, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, as much as we are saying nice things about Jalen, um, that, that would be true. Uh you know, in terms of sort of, okay, maybe we can think about it on that front then. In terms of like who you can help off of or guys that you can sort of lead down the list, um, you know, we're going to focus most on defense first uh, because obviously you have a great YouTube channel, Too Much Hoops, that uh, focuses a lot on defense. But we'll talk about offense as well. But, d- you know, defensively, if, you, if you're looking at the top, what, seven guys for the Celtics, seven or eight that will play in this series, who are the guys that you're saying you're most willing to help off of this guy, this guy, this guy? So this is where I think the Celtics really are going to miss Gordon Hayward. Okay. Hayward uh, shooting 38% from three on the year. Marcus Smart is under 35, and he's a 32% career three-point shooter. Yep. And, uh, and so you swap those two guys out, and it just creates another opportunity. You know, um, once you start to get down under 35%, you get to the point where helping off a guy uh, doesn't punish you quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would say, I mean, obviously Daniel Tice is somebody that you can help off of if yep. he's not right at the rim. Um, but having Marcus smart be sort of their fifth guy that they basically have to have on the floor, uh, down the stretch that, um, I think that's going to create an advantage for the Raptors and another Avenue to help that they didn't necessarily have to have before. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Although I, I do have to caution that the Celtics starting five with uh, Smart in place of Hayward uh, have been, you know, <laughs> even better with the lineup with Hayward. Um, they, they've been they're just a really strong team overall. Um, but yeah, I think the depth there is is a problem. And I think honestly, anyone who they bring off the bench, I think you can readily leave them, right? Like, um, it's going to yeah. be Wanamaker, who is a thirty six percent three point shooter, but he only takes one point four per game. Enos Cantor, obviously not a shooter. Grant Williams, not a shooter. Uh, what, 25% on the season? Uh, and then even a guy like Semi Ojale, yeah, he hits 38%, and shoot, but he only shoots 1.8 per game. And he's not a guy who's going to be comfortable taking like six or seven threes if you keep helping off of him. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm curious to see is sort of where those big inflated attempts go to. Like I think Marcus Smart might have some, you know, 10, 12, three-point attempt games. 
yep. which which I think would be really good for the Raptors if they could get him shooting that many. Yeah, Marcus Smart is, um, just for context, he's obviously, as you mentioned, historically not been a great shooter. This is probably the best season he shot, but he's still at 34.7%. He is third on the team in three-point attempts at 6.6 per game. Yeah, he's not shy. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys where he wants to establish that he's an offensive threat, but he's really not that much of an offensive threat. Right, he can get hot like anyone can. Anyone can can throw up shots, but he's really not a guy that could uh, that will ultimately hurt you that much. And I think the Raptors will do a good job of uh, helping off of him. Um, just to keep that six point six number in, in you know in perspective, I mean, that's only point three less than Fred VanVleet, and Fred plays more minutes than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and like J- Jason Tatum doesn't shoot that many more than him. No, like no. Jason Tatum averages a seven point one. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. And Tatum is like a, you know, a really good shooter. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Smart obviously does other things. I think he's pretty good at penetrating and getting to the basket. He doesn't finish whatsoever. He's only at, he's always been a bad finisher. So at like 37.5% uh, as a field goal shooter this year, just really not a too uh, good at shooting two point f- uh, field goals. Three um, bubble Van Bleet numbers. I mean, he's basically like a, 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 a really annoying Ricky Rubio. <laughs> you know, him and Rubio actually have a lot of similarities. I think Rubio's better a passer and Smart is a little bit better defensively, but same kind of deal. Like, oh, interesting. You know, like he can kind of shoot, catch and shoot three point shooters, uh, three point shots, but can't really shoot off the dribble and then definitely cannot finish at the rim. Um, okay, so, so you know, Jalen is, is a big threat, I think. Um, Kemba is also another big threat. So, watching a lot of Kemba film, I don't know why I needed to do it because I think. You know, as Raptor fans, we're pretty familiar with Kemba Walker over the years. <laughs> He's hit a, a lot of game winners against the Raptors, um, mostly as a member of the Hornets, um, but, you know, still pretty deadly in the matchup this year. Uh, Kemba shot uh, 44% from the field, uh, 36% from three. So generally his, his averages uh, averaged about 23 points per game. Didn't have a lot of assists. Um, mostly the Celtics used him as a scorer this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the challenges with guarding Kemba? He's a little tricky because he he's so good off that uh, screen and roll with Tice. Uh-huh. Um, and he uh, and this is something that a couple of the Celtics players have is, is a nice little mid-range game. Mm. Um, and the Raptors generally tend to protect the rim and get out to major three-point threats. And, and as a result, they will give up a lot of mid-range shots. And if those are shots that the Celtics are comfortable taking, which, which I think it is for Kemba and Tatum at least especially – um, that can that can be a little bit problematic. Yep, for sure. Um, he, he's like he's he's quick, he's shifty, um, decent at getting to the rim. Although, and he he could take some contact at the rim too, even though he's kind of frail. Um, he can absorb that contact and finish. But uh, I think the, the the main thing is because he's so good in that pick and roll, as you mentioned. Like you just need to sort of um, be creative with your defenses. Sometimes maybe involve a third defender or something like that. I mean, the way Kemba plays offensively is pretty simple. It's that high pick and roll. And it's usually – it's the differences are he's going to get one screen or two screens. And right. usually if he's going up against that one screen, he's not going to get as much separation just because, uh, I mean, it's it's easier to lose your defender off two screens than it is off one. Um, but, you know, you get to attack sort of two-on-two, you know, against that center or if Siakam – or if um, Ibaka is dropping back or if Mark is dropping back. You know, Kemba's able to pull up and, and get a cleaner look. 
Um, but then sometimes, you know, if the on-ball defender is really good, like if it's Fred, for example, um, they'll, they'll put two screens up there for, for Kemba at the top of the floor. And, and that's where it's really interesting because I, I saw the Raptors make some very, very clever adjustments sort of just like against Kemba in that sort of double drag screen at the top where they were able to communicate. The center was able to communicate whether it was Serge or Mark. Basically just have the guy who's setting the first screen, which is usually a wing, like uh, Jalen Brown, and then afterwards, like uh, a Tice. Whoever was guarding Brown uh, would usually just switch uh, with uh, Ibaka on the move or with Mark on the move. And then all of a sudden, it was either um, it, it was a wing versus Kemba in that pick and roll coverage instead, which is, I think, really smart. I think the Raptors do a good job with this uh, in general in terms of like pre switching, communicating, and getting a little bit better uh, matchup uh, despite what the Celtics want to attack. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Raptors are pretty smart about that. And then the other thing that I like that they have the ability to do is if uh, this is more of a when they're doing a single screen at the top mm-hmm. is having when they sort of the two guys at the elbows zone up and sort of pinch in towards the free throw line right. just to take away those driving lanes. Um, and so I think that could be valuable as well. Um, and, and then the other thing that sort of happens in that screen and roll action is a lot of times they'll have Gordon Hayward camped in the corner Right. Um, would, and you have to respect him because he's, he's such a good shooter. So that frees up Daniel Tice to roll to the basket. Mm-hmm. And if that is maybe Tice in the corner or, or if that's Marcus Smart in the corner, those are guys that you can help off of and sort of tag Tice as he rolls to the rim. Um, so that, uh, that's a potential counter um, to, to that action that I'm curious to see how the Raptors do it. Right. And I think, you know, if you think back to, I mean, I don't recommend it, but if you think back to um, that game that the Raptors lost in the bubble to the Celtics where they got smacked, um, yeah, I mean, you did see a lot of Tice in the corner. Unfortunately, he hit those threes, but on the whole, he's not a good three-point shooter. Not that willing of a three-point shooter either, so I, I, yeah, I like that, I I like that adjustment. He, looked, he shoots, I think, 38.5% in the corner, which is not bad. It's not bad, but... Like, it, it, it's it's quite good if that is your overall three-point percentage in the corner. It's it's kind of okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I, honestly, if he's in the corner, I really prefer that because he is pretty good screening at the top of the floor. Like, honestly, like they have a lot of Raptors elements. Like the, the role Tice plays is basically the role Marcus all plays. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think whoever wins that matchup there, I mean, it should be Mark just based on talent. It should be Mark. But I also think there's a distinct possibility that Daniel Tice outperforms Mark in a lot of these games. Um, yeah, Tice, Tice has a really good uh, level of athleticism. He's a great yeah. help defender. Um, and and I like the Celtics won't really need his one-on-one defense a ton, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, something I was thinking about, like I was wondering if, if they would even put him on Siakam at times. Okay, um, yeah. Just, just to throw some extra length at him. Yeah. Um, especially if Gasol's on the floor, I think you probably could get away with Marcus Smart on Gasol a lot. Like the the Raptors seemed to have trouble feeding the ball to Gasol in the post mm-hmm. with little guys on him against the Nets, which I was a little bit surprised by. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, like both teams have a lot of options for ways they can mix things up. Yeah, for sure. Um. And I, I think to the point of defending Siakam, I mean, you know, I, I think this. The Celtics don't really have, like, a natural power forward. Obviously, they're playing a lot of, like, big small forwards. Um, I would say Jason Tatum has a small forward type game, I, maybe even a shooting guard type game. Um, Jalen Brown has a classic small forward uh, game. 
Uh, and, you know, size-wise, you know, they're big for wings, but they're not necessarily that big that they can really shut down Pascal. Like, we're seeing the people who shut down Pascal are like, you know, a Bam Adebayo, which happened in regular season, or, you know, Giannis, or uh, even Brook Lopez, or Joel Embiid. Like, those guys are clearly bigger. Siakam can't post those guys at all. I do think Siakam can post some of these other guys. Um, yeah. And it would be interesting if they do put Tice on him, because if they do that, I really do think that the Raptors should try to attack that as much as possible. Because if you can put Daniel Tice into foul trouble because he's guarding Siakam yeah, so true. much, then the guys off the bench, I mean, Grant Williams, probably their best defender off the bench, but you know, he's like six foot six. He's like yeah. a Chuck. He's like a Chuck Hayes. Yeah. He's uh, a bit more of a, a tank build. Yeah. I, I love that Chuck Hayes has a, has a protege now. This is, this is good. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed Chuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, it's like Enos Cantor, who obviously defensively really poor, you know, offensively you can do some stuff, but you know, defensively just horrible. And, um, What's the other? Uh, Robert Williams. Robert who, Williams, yeah. You can't really trust him. He's got some white side tendencies, I feel like. Semi Ojale, maybe. Like, he's sort yeah. of similar to Grant Williams in that he's like just, he feels like more of a bulky wing. But that, yeah. I mean, that could have value against Siakam, too. I was going to say, yeah, I think Semi actually could be a very interesting defensive matchup. I don't think I saw too much of that um, semi guarding Siakam in the, in the film so far, but. No. That's something I think they should try just because they put Semi on um, Giannis a lot. Yeah. And I mean, it's not the same kind of deal, but Semi is, he's built like a truck. Like he's, his name's, I mean, Semi is pretty appropriate, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's something there. But um, yeah, I mean, Kemba, I mean, yeah, uh, with Kemba, I think really it's just you got to show him, you got to just be diligent with this, uh, with this stuff. Because I think weirdly, Kemba's not that efficient of a score. Just because, like, with all guards that really pull up a lot, unless they're like Steph and Dame. It's like it's 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 really hard. It's a really high skill kind of aspect where if you're going to score efficiently on that, and he's not that great at uh, in terms of efficiency at finishing at the basket. So it's really just like you know keeping that careful balance between like you know stopping him and uh, showing extra defenders while also not like completely selling out your defense to guard Kemba. Because I do think that the Raptors have pretty good pick and roll defense in general, and yeah. they should be able to handle him a little bit more. Like I thought they did a good job in the regular season of not. Um, over, uh, you know, panicking uh, against uh, and, and not selling out to stop Kemba. Because I think all things considered, you'd rather Kemba beat you than Jason Tatum beat you. Yeah, and, and like he averaged 23 points, but it took him 19 field goal attempts to get there against mm-hmm. the Raptors. So like, that's not bad. Yeah, but it, it, you can live with that. Like you, yeah, you, exactly. you could score enough to, 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 to equal that out. Um, yeah. All right, so. Yeah, it's, it's it's the it's the Jalen Brown, you know, twenty three points on fifteen attempts that gets me more worried. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and then you know the other main guy, at least defensively, to worry about, obviously, is Jason Tatum. We've kind of sort of talked around it, but um, Tatum has really just leveled up and and played really really well. He continues to develop. Um, man, he looks so good. It's I hate it, man. <laughs> me too. I I, <laughs> I I spent like a lot of the season being like Tatum uh, is like a, a step below Siakam. And, and uh, I think in retrospect, that was denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, he looks amazing, man. Like his, his scoring is, is like next level. He has good defense. Like he's, he's very legit as a, as a star. Yeah. He plays unselfishly too. Um, yeah. I mean, I've seen, 
a lot of like uh, comparisons to Kobe uh, online. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. Um, you, you no. know, the, the, come on. But at the same <laughs> time, uh, this is what Tatum averaged in the first round against the Sixers. Now, keep in mind the Sixers, you know, as much as without a real team. Well, they were without a real team and they were without a real scheme. Like they were basically like chickens with their heads cut off, just running around well, randomly. And, they, and in terms of Tatum specifically, they were missing Ben Simmons, who is the guy exactly. who would guard Tatum. Exactly. Um, having said that, though, they still do have some decent wing defenders. I would say Matisse Thybul, even though he's a rookie, pretty good wing defender. Um, you know, uh, Tobias Harris didn't show it in this series, but he's at least not, like, awful. He's, like, maybe average. Um, and, of course, you have MB back there taking away the rim. So, um, yeah, but then anyway, so Tatum against his defense, uh, 27 points per game in the four games, obviously a sweep, uh, 10 rebounds per game, shooting 49% from the field and 45% from three with eight three-point attempts per game, including an eight of 12 performance from three in game two, which was a 27-point blowout. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling great that Jason Tatum is feeling so great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's dangerous because uh, like if, if he gets going and he, he puts one of those, you know, Van Vliet esque performances on you, it's, it's tough to recover because you know, they're going to get production still from Walker and, and Brown as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, he's, he's quite a weapon to go up against. For sure. Um, now I will say this. Okay. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, in a regular season against the Raptors, and whatever, man. These are four games that essentially were played in, like, you know, three different months. <laughs> Some, you know, one of these games <laughs> were played in last October. So, uh, you know, that's almost, it's almost been a full year. We might as well be looking at last year's numbers. But um, Jason Tatum, in those four games, averaged 16.5 points per game against the Raptors, shot 37% from the field, didn't get a lot of three-point attempts off, which I think is very, very uh, informative in this case because – you know, as we mentioned, he takes about seven a game. He only shot 4.8 per, uh, you know, per game against the Raptors. So the Raptors really took him away there. Didn't let him go to the free throw line. His assists were up to 4.5, which makes sense because they were trying to force him to give up the ball. But yeah. if you look at his attempts, only 15.3 field goal attempts. You know, Jalen Brown got 15 field goal attempts. J- uh, Kemba Walker got 19, as we mentioned. Uh, you know, they really were able to force Tatum to, to give up the ball. And a lot of that was just because they put Kyle Lowry on Tatum. Obviously, you broke down a lot of the film between these two teams. Um, what is it that succeeds? You know, what is so successful about putting Kyle Lowry on Jason Tatum, even though that's sort of an unorthodox style of defense? Lowry is like, he's really a disruptor in the way that he, it's not even necessarily about getting the, it's just hard to get in position even to get shots off. Like he, he's always sort of moving one step ahead mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of preventing you from getting to your spots, making the catch difficult, like forcing you inside the three-point line. Uh, it, it's all those sorts of things that just add up to a more frustrating game than, than you want to see. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the other part of it is when you have Lowry um, on Tatum, it opens up Siakam and OG as help defenders potentially. And, uh, and, and you see that the, uh, you know, a lot of Tatum's field goal attempts maybe got funneled to Walker or Brown. And, and that's from the Raptors helping off of those guys uh, to, to either double Tatum or, you know, stunt towards them, leaving their man open for a split second and, and get back. Um, 
so yeah, so so I like uh, I like having Lowry on Tatum uh, simply for opening up uh, the other guys as help defenders because OG and and Siakam can cover so much ground so mm-hmm. quickly. Um, it, it's really valuable. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Um, and yeah, I mean, because I think a lot of people watched a couple of these games and thought, okay, maybe they throw they threw the game against the Celtics in the bubble. I don't believe that. Okay, they just sometimes you just get beat. Just just you know, sometimes you just got to hold the L and you got beat. It's okay. You don't have to make I, up excuses. I, but, I also think I do think in that game. I think they tried hard. I don't mm-hmm. think they threw out all the wrinkles oh. that the defense usually does. Yeah, definitely not. And I don't think the Celtics threw out all their wrinkles either. I mean, no, Brad you know, Stevens isn't stupid. No, um, I think the I think the, the Celtics just had a good game plan, but it wasn't necessarily anything that was like, you know, that's. Yeah, I don't think they were showing their cards either. I think the Raptors just got beat, but yeah, um, you know, with with Tatum though, I mean, you, you know, with okay, so obviously Kyle's status is a big. Um, X factor here. Um, maybe we'll find out by game one that Kyle's fully healthy and he's been playing golf this whole time. And he's, he's, <laughs> you know, would that surprise you one bit? Or, or he's not fully healthy and he's been playing golf this whole time. Uh, you know, also wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, at least one of his golf buddies and uh, uh, Garrett Temple got sent home, so that that helps. Um, yeah, but you know, you know, hopefully Kyle's there to guard Tatum. I think if Kyle's not there to guard Tatum, what do you do defensively? Do you sort of scrap that and, and go to, a, you know, a more traditional, like, you know, OG or Siakam on Tatum? Or do you try to stick with that? And, you know, if Norm takes Kyle Lowry's spot in the starting five, maybe you put Norm on Tatum or maybe you put Fred on Tatum. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you do if Kyle's not there against Tatum? I feel like I want Fred to be on Kemba because I like him at the point okay. of attack. I think he's okay. the best at, at navigating screens. Yep. Um, and then Norm with Norm, he's just not as good of a defender. Like he's just he's he is good. He's above average, but he's not mm-hmm. on the same plane of existence as as the other top guys. Yep. Uh, defensively, and and so I think I would be more likely to stick him on Marcus Smart. Okay. Just to try and yeah, I I, I think you do sort of abandon using OG and Siakam as help defenders and just mm-hmm. stick one of them on Tatum because, because uh, yeah, I just don't feel like Norm has that same sort of like next level disrupting ability that Lowry has to, right. to oh, not make close. difficult and, yeah. and then, and then compensate, you know, once guys start helping and, and make the rotations quite as crisply as Lowry does. Right. Um, I, I also think that, you know, with Tatum, you got to show him a lot of different looks. Like you, yeah. like like you saw against like Lavert, like the the Raptors showed him like a whole bunch of different looks, and that was just Karis Lavert. Like, yeah, he's he's a good player for sure, but like you didn't have to snap on him like that. And I think especially with Tatum, I mean, what we saw throughout the season, you know, Tatum said it himself. You know, there was that famous clip that uh, uh, ESPN's Jackie McMullen, who's obviously as plugged into the Celtics as anybody, uh, you know, she was talking to Tatum about you know who guards you the best in the entire NBA. And Tatum said, it's not one guy, it's a team, it's the Raptors. And because they show him so many different looks and he's a little bit confused. And I think with Tatum, he's such a good, pure scorer um, that, you know, just getting to limit his attempts is is a win because his yeah. playmaking, even though it's developing, even though it's improving, I've seen him throw some really impressive, like run a pick and roll one side of the floor and then throw a cross court pass to the weak side where the, the, the help is sucking in just a little bit. And, um, you know, whoever, Jalen Brown or whatever is hitting threes, but, you know, for the most part, Tatum is not as advanced with his playmaking 
And this is not like a, a Luka Doncic, for example, right? You can't really like tilt everything towards Luka because he's such a good passer. Tatum's not on that level yet. And I think that's where, you know, you can maybe, um, you know, send extra bodies at Tatum. Hopefully it's not off guys like Walker or Brown and uh, live with the results a little bit. Yeah, like, and, and even even if he is a great playmaker, I just would rather have somebody else shoot it, you know? Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, even even if he, he is making an incredible play and getting somebody an open shot, if it's Marcus Smart shooting an above the break three instead of Jason Tatum, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, now, Tatum, he's he's a pretty versatile scorer. Like, he can do a, pretty much whatever you need. Like, he's a good transition scorer, good catch-and-shoot uh, player, uh, but you know, good what, what, ISO. yeah, yeah, really good ISO player too. Uh, but realistically, the two ways that he attacks the most is sort of ISO, where he's sort of he ISOs on the, the three point line now too, which is a little scary. But he does; it feels like he's a little bit more comfortable ISOing in the mid range, like either posting or or face up or stuff like that. And then the pick and roll game, the pick and roll game is real dangerous for him, just because he's gotten pretty good now at getting all the way to the basket. His his handle's gotten pretty good. His finishing has gotten pretty good. And he's just legitimately big. Like, he, if you're six foot eight and you can effectively run a pick and roll, you're going to be pretty dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah. He just, if, if he gets that shoulder into you, he, he's like, he's gotten put up, put on quite a bit of weight since, you know, a year or two ago. That's and, true. And, uh, you know, if, if he dips that shoulder into you, it's, it's tough to stand your ground unless you're like, you know, a center, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, Serge and Mark can guard him at the rim and can deter him at the rim just like they could with anybody. Um, you know, he's not like Giannis when he dips his shoulder into you, but at the same time, you know, he is pretty crafty. One thing to watch out for is, you know, um, that pick and roll with Tice where Tice rolls to seal his man instead of, uh, actually rolling to score. That's, I yeah. feel like that, that happens like three or four times a game. And that's oh, part yeah. of why Tatum gets so good. I mean, can you just like describe that play to people who are listening and might not necessarily understand or can't really sure. picture what that is and, and sort of how do you counter that? in terms of, um, you know, both as the center and also as a person guarding the ball? Yeah, so so what happens is Tice comes up to set the screen, and then uh, as he is rolling to the basket, he sort of has a clear a clear lane to it, but instead of, like, diving to, like, get – most guys will dive to get a lob or get a pass right at the rim and just, just uh, flip it in. Uh, he will time his running, basically – so that he is between, let's say, Gasol and and Tatum, so that Gasol isn't able to slide over and, and contest the shot at the rim. Um, and it, it's a legal play, basically, because he's entitled to that straight line that he's running in. Um, and it's not technically, doesn't count as a screen, um, because it's like a pick-and-roll motion, basically. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very dangerous, uh, for the defense, like it's because it, it just completely opens up that, that path. And I think part of what you have to do again with the Raptors is, is doing that thing where they, they pinch in from the elbows to try and deter those, those uh, driving lines. Uh, you, you noticed in the series against the Nets, the Raptors would basically use three guys. And this is the same thing they did against Giannis yeah. use three guys to kind of wall off the paint entirely so that essentially Tatum has to take a step back and that just gives the defense time to reset. Um, So that's a big part of it. The other big part of it is if you can get somebody from the 
weak side or strong side corner, even the Raptors will do uh, sliding off their man into the restricted area to, to stop Daniel Tice's dive to the basket. They can also serve as a helper on uh, on a Tatum drive. If Tice is sealing a soul or whoever mm-hmm. um, and the Raptors, the Raptors do do that a lot. And if, if they have OG or Siakam in that situation, they're quite good at contesting shots at the rim. They're both, they both have really great length and strength and uh, athleticism. So, right. Um, I promise we will talk about the offensive side of the ball too, but I do think guarding the Celtics <laughs> is pretty important to talk about. Um, and, you know, okay. So one question I had was sort of, it's a, one question that someone posted to me yesterday was um, do the Raptors go big or do they go small in the series? Because I think you have the Nick nurse has more options with how he wants to play than the Celtics do. I think the Celtics are pretty adaptable um, and they are, they have a good coach. It's not like a Mike Budenholzer situation where there's going to be no adjustments. Like, you know, uh, Stevens <laughs> will adjust, but um, you know, the Raptors have the option of going small with Siakam and center OG at the four. Obviously this is contingent on Kyle Lowry being healthy and available, but um you know, they can play small there. And I think with the Celtics being small, I think the Raptors can survive playing small. But I also think the Raptors have a chance here to play big, um, you know, maybe more against the Celtics bench or everything like that. But, um, you know, there's also an advantage there because the Celtics are, again, quite small. Uh, and they have guys, you know, coming off the bench that you can help off of. Um, I mean, which way would you lean? And where do you see, like, the pros and cons of going big or going small here? Um. I, I think one of the problems with going big against this team is because they have those three primary threats in uh, Brown, Tatum, Walker, is if eventually Gasol and Ibaka are going to wind up on those guys with the way the Raptors rotate. Um, and and if if they're not able to handle the perimeter defense one-on-one, which, which sometimes they can, uh, but but I don't think that's a situation you want to be getting yourself into repeatedly over and over. Um, but where I would look for them to go bigger is when one of those guys is off the floor, because then you can sort of do a little bit more switching off ball. There are more combinations where, you know, maybe surge winds up on smart or want maker or whoever. And it's just not as much of a threat. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would look for them to go bigger when when one of the primary threats is off the floor. And then uh, in terms of going small against this team, I think it uh, it could be good. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of torn about the Raptors small ball lineup. It mm-hmm. is good. Uh, they already have a tough time rebounding. Yep. And I feel like. A, I feel like Serge has been so good. It's almost mm-hmm. a shame to leave him off the court sometimes. Yep. And and I think Gasol is so good defensively. He is he is the guy who is behind a lot of the Raptors' uh, disruption that they do defensively because he quarterbacks so much. He's so versatile in, in the way he can cover the pick and roll in terms of uh, you know trapping, drop coverage. Uh, just showing like he he can kind of do it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's a really great communicator for the Raptors defensively. Um, And so I, I I kind of like having him or Serge on the floor most of the time, but I, I also understand there's, there's a place for that small ball lineup potentially as well. But uh, it, it, I just sort of feel like the Raptors 
have advantages at the center position mm-hmm. already. And yeah. so I'm not necessarily worried about getting those guys off the floor. Uh, yeah. I, the, the time when I think it could be valuable is, is maybe if Gasol is, is just having like a brutal game defensively. Mm-hmm. He, he had one against the Nets. Yeah, and that's when really stinker was it I, maybe game two. Yeah, and that's when Siakam played small ball center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was tough. Uh, but I also think like Gasol looked bad in the first half of that game, and I think a big part of it was schematic as well. Like mm-hmm. the Raptors were trapping, and and the Nets had just kind of figured out how to beat that trapping, and right. and so the Raptors went away from it in the second half, and and he looked better in the second half, in my opinion. Right. So, uh, yeah. I don't. I'm not quite sure when the uh, the small ball versus the the big ball will happen, but uh, I I do think we will see like wrinkles like that just to sort of see, kind of to see see how it goes because I I do think it is it's hard to predict in in this matchup mm-hmm. and and those lineups are do have potential to be effective. Yeah, I mean it's always nice to have options there too. Um, you know the Celtics. The one thing about going small is that they are sneakily a good offensive rebounding team. They're eighth in the season in offensive rebounding percentage, twenty four percent. Raptors obviously below average defensive rebounding team, and part of that is just obviously they have um, you know guys at center who can rebound. Obviously, Cantor is a good offensive rebounder. Tice because you know people are always selling out to guard. Um, and contest Jalen Tatum and, and uh, Kemba that, you know, Tice is also a pretty good offensive rebounder. Yeah, he's got then, great mobility. Yeah, and then even their wings are pretty good at it. I mean, Marcus, you know, he'll he'll fly in once in a while. But, you know, you know Jalen Brown's very athletic, 6'8", can jump. Uh, he gets in there. Gordon Hayward's sneakily a decent offensive rebounder just coming in from the weak side. He's usually against a smaller guy, so he can crash in. Obviously, he's not there. Uh, Tatum's also not bad. I mean, it's just like – you know, they're not a bad offensive rebounding team. And they don't, they don't yeah. necessarily go for it that much. But they're also pretty smart about when they go for it, who they go for it against. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, that's, that's for consideration there. Okay, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball because uh, we've been kind of skipping over this. Um, <laughs> how are the Raptors going to score on the Celtics? Because they're, they're a fourth-ranked defense. Um, you know, Kyle has been the guy who's done the most damage to the Celtics this year offensively. He averaged... 21 points per game, shot 52% from the field, and 47% from three. Kyle's always played well against the Celtics. If Kyle's not 100%, uh, you know, what are we doing offensively to the Celtics right now? I, I think it's going to be – well, A, I, I do think it's worth pointing out that I think we should talk about Siakam because, okay. A, I think he hasn't been that bad. He really hasn't. <laughs> no, I like I think people need to chill a little bit maybe. Um because, like, what did he? I'm just pulling up his stats here against the uh, against the Nets. He shot 42 percent from the field. You know, he shoots 45 percent in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a great three point shooting run, but it, you know, it's four games. It's not that big of a deal. And his defense has been unbelievable. He averaged yep. 21 points. He averages 23 in the regular season. And against the Celtics this season, he only played them in two games. But he had basically one really great game where he scored 33 and one really bad game where he scored like 11 maybe. That was the bubble game, yeah. No one looked yeah. good in the bubble game. Let's be real. The team yeah. was not functioning well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, so I, I do think it's going to be important for Pascal to have some good games um, because, you know, they, they – I think he 
like like we were saying, they sort of don't have that big defender to like shut him down. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum is a good defender. Uh, he's a very good help defender. Uh, but I think Siakam can kind of get to the rim. I think if they're going to put Jalen Brown on him, Siakam can post him up a little bit. Yep, um, I agree. Siakam's passing was was fairly decent in the Nets series as well, mm-hmm. uh, passing out of double teams and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, I mean, Van Vliet's been unbelievable. And if, if he can carry some of this shot-making into the Celtics series, that's going to be a problem because that that's a huge threat. And And he also spaces you out to like 28 feet. He's right. not just, you know, toes on the three-point line. Uh, he's the anti-Demar. Oh, uh, man, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I do think it'll be important for for those two guys. Uh-huh. And then you just have you have to get something from OG and Gasol. I don't, yeah. I don't need Gasol to average 10 points a game, but I think there need to be games where he gets to 10 points. <laughs> the bar is Maybe. very low. The bar is very low. Um. Yeah, like he, he does so much <laughs> defensively, and he's such a great passer that the scoring isn't the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But if he can just sort of pick and pop and make the Celtics think twice about their, their pick and roll coverage, that would be nice. Uh, yeah. Pull Tice out of the paint a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I liked uh, OG had some nice plays where he was able to you know, he had a couple of nice post plays or, or plays where he drove, even even a few passes and and stuff like that. Uh, I think I think it would be nice to get him to have uh, a couple games where he scores, you know, ten plus. Um, do you want to take a guess as to how many total points Mark scored against the Celtics this year? He played two games. Oh, I have it up here. Yeah, single digits. Tough. Seven, <laughs> seven, baby, seven total points. That's <laughs> we, we're begging for a 10 in a game, which doesn't sound that much, but yeah, no, it, it would be a lot. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Celtics are really going to focus on helping off of OG and, and Mark and sort of forcing those guys to be you. Um, and that's where I think, you know, if Mark's not doing enough of that scoring, I think you might, this, this might be a better matchup for Surge. I think yeah. based on the way the Celtics play, obviously there's no like, I mean, there's Enos Cantor, but, you know, whatever. Um, but there's not, like, a real dominant, like, low-post kind of guy that you really need to have Mark in there, station there to guard a Nick Vucevic, um, you know, a Joel Embiid, even, like, a Giannis type. They don't have a guy who puts pressure on the rim like Giannis does. Obviously, no. most teams don't, but they don't even have, like, a hard driver, period. Um, and so you might need a little bit more of that flexibility, uh, a little bit more of that mobility, and a guy who can challenge shots at the rim, which Serge can still do. Um, and, and Serge looked nice against the Nets, uh, challenging <laughs> shots at the rim. He, he, looked, he, he hasn't always looked nice. great defensively this season, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought he sort of had an up-and-down season in terms of his defense. Uh, and Gasol is, is pretty steady. We know what he does. Yep. Um, but yeah, Serge, I would say in the bubble, has looked, has looked a lot better defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it just goes to matchups. Like the Nets put so much pressure on you on the perimeter that you had to, you know, be more uh, uh, mobile. And, and, and Marcus mobile, too, is just like Serge can, like, trap at the three-point line, above the three-point line, and then still move his feet and get back. Mark can do a little bit of that, too, actually. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Serge, I think really – I, I find – Yeah? I find Gasol is most effective sort of bouncing around from side to side in the paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not, like, built to cover great distances. 
I think he has great like change of direction and stuff, but just not, right. you know, that top speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mark is like a minivan uh, and Serge is more like an SUV. Yeah. You know, both have a lot of uh, space and carry a lot of people, but you know, one of them can go a little bit faster and honestly probably just looks a little sleeker. Uh, Mark, Mark <laughs> yeah. is really built like a Dodge uh, caravan. Um, <laughs> yeah. With, with Serge, I think really, you know, if if the defense is not necessarily that much of a difference, I think Serge offensively is a huge difference over Mark. Um, yeah, and, because, and he gives the Raptors a bit of valuable mid-range game too. Yeah, which you're going to get uh, against the Celtics team. Yeah, exactly. Like they're they're a good defensive team. They'll protect the rim. Uh, they'll sell out to protect or to uh, contest three-point shooters. So those are those are oftentimes the shots that you wind up with. Yeah, and I I think you know with Mark too, I think some of the value he brings offensively in terms of. You know, he's set up the, the, the play at the top of the floor. People are cutting and stuff. You know, when you have people cut off ball, there needs to be a lot of screening. Um, and you, you obviously need to execute well. But the Celtics do a lot of switching off ball. So they take away a lot of those advantages that are created when you mm-hmm. switch and uh, when, you, when you try to cut. And so I don't think Mark's passing is as big of a factor in this series. I mean, he still is going to be a good facilitator, but... You know, I just think Serge has a, a bigger role to play. And even if you want to think about matchups, like the Celtics are going to bring like an Enos Cantor off the bench. You'd rather have Mark guard Enos than Serge. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just, you know, in terms of the matchup there. But uh, Although Serge versus Enos Cantor is one of the great like off the bench personality like oh, yeah. matchups. <laughs> yeah. Are, are we predicting that right now? Um, how many uh, over under 1.5 technicals on, on Serge Ibaka this series? Oh, big time over. All right, yeah, fair enough. Um, 1.5 I, is way I thought you were low. gonna. I thought you were gonna set it at like 1.5 chest to chest stare downs. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's per week for Serge, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Serge can do well in the series, and I think you know if if it gets really bad, the Raptors are down two one, and their starting five keeps getting burnt. I could see Serge getting uh, slotted into the starting center spot for Mark. Uh, yeah, as, a mid, as a mid-series adjustment. Um, okay, weird question, but do you think Chris Boucher has a role to play in the series? Because I, I remember Chris was really, really good on Christmas. Obviously, uh, Mark was out and, and Serge didn't play that well in that game, but uh, I thought Boucher did decently in his in his two games against the Celtics. He played the third game in the bubble, too, but that doesn't really count. Boucher, 13 points in those uh, three games, shot 76% from the field, uh, <laughs> You know, was a hard roller, and maybe against the Celtics team that focuses so much on stopping Kyle, you know, Fred and Pascal on the pick and roll, even Norm, maybe having a hard diver, someone who actually like goes hard to the basket is, is not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I could see it. I don't necessarily know. Like I'm, I'm looking at his stats. He, he shot 70% from three against what, the on, Celtics man. in the three games. That's what he does. All right. <laughs> that's, 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 that's Chris Boucher. That's what, Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it'll be a, uh, I think that could be something that nurse throws out if the stuff he's planning doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think we're going to see more Terrence Davis off the bench potentially okay. if, if, uh, if Lowry is out especially or, or just, you know, can't play 40 minutes a game. Mm. Um, I, I think, uh, nurse sort of seemed to me like he was setting the rotation it seemed like before the bubble, it was going to be Terrence Davis. And then Terrence Davis kind of sucked in the seeding games. And has, yeah. but he was, he was nice in that net series. I, I um, thought so. Yeah. And uh, he, he played pretty solid defense. Um, 
did had some great shot making. Um, so I, I think we'll see him a little bit more than Boucher. Um, but but it wouldn't shock me. Like Nurse seems like the kind of guy who, if Boucher had a good season series against somebody, he'll he'll give it a shot. Maybe even give it a shot in the first game, just to just to kind of see how it goes and use that as a a bit of a weather vane. Yeah. Um, if I could just ask for one thing from TD, um, just please stop reaching. Like you don't need to reach so much. Like he, he gambles a little bit. I think maybe watching Fred and Kyle so much. Obviously, those guys are so good at digging and the at the nail and just like you know catching people by surprise and getting steals. Like a, you're not gonna get the whistle that 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 Kyle and Fred do. And, and B, no. you don't have the timing, man. He, TD commits some dumb fouls that you just doesn't. Yeah, need to like give up. The, it. It looks like Lowry and Fred are just making like great athletic plays to get those steal, mm-hmm. those steals. But it's not just great athleticism; it's also like brilliant timing and like setting the guy up for the steal and and yep. stuff like that. Like there's there's a lot more that goes into it than just a, a, a brilliant hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like TD on this series. I, I kind of like his rebounding in this one. Um, I think the Celtics, again, you can, even though they're a good offensive rebounding team, I think you can maybe crash in for a couple offensive rebounds. TD can give you a little bit of that energy. Um, and hopefully his confidence is back up. You know, I mean, in terms of the depth guys, I mean, I don't really think you need that much from, I don't, is this, I don't really think it's a series for Rondé. Even no. though they have good wing uh, players defensively, I think the Raptors should be able to handle it without Rondé. Uh, Norm hasn't really gotten going in those two games that he's played against the Celtics, whatever the game two of the season, you know, Norm was not that actively involved. It wasn't the same Norm that we see uh, now. And yeah. then the bubble game is just a complete throwaway. But, um, how do you, well, how do you see Norm's role in this all, in all this? Because obviously he was excellent against the Nets. I, I think Norm is just going to do what Norm does. And okay. that is hit threes and dunk on guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think he and uh, as you mentioned Terrence Davis I think they could be valuable in terms of getting some of those transition points mm-hmm. against the Celtics that, it's, that this can be so lacking. crucial you need that that's like a you need any easy baskets you can get yeah and, and you know uh, about the Raptors transition points against the Celtics like you said they didn't have many mm-hmm. and and you know Siakam missed two two of the games Powell missed two of the games uh, so those are two of the guys that will get out into transition a lot. Yep. Um, so I, I see that being a, a big uh, potential avenue for Norm to, uh, to cause a little bit of damage. But, I mean, he's been so good that, uh, I, I mean, he, he's just he'll hit, you know, threes in the half court too. He'll attack the basket if somebody's closing out to him too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really dangerous. Like, he, he looks fantastic. Like, I've, I've been so impressed with him. Yeah, for sure. And he's really picking it up off the bench, too, which obviously did a lot of damage with the starters, but he's doing well with the bench, too. He's found his rhythm. I think a huge thank you to Brooklyn, actually, in the first round. Just to get everyone's confidence going. Um, yeah. Offensively. <laughs> <laughs> Only guy, really, is probably like Serge. Uh, or not Serge, uh, Mark, who, who couldn't really get going a little bit. But uh, everyone else, man, looked fantastic. Fred had some games. Kyle had some games. Pascal had some games. Serge, Norm. Even OG had some great dunks. So, um, yeah. Thanks to the Nets. Uh, we appreciate your effort. Um, you know, the the bubble started with uh, three scrimmage games and the, the playoffs started with four scrimmage games. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I got three questions for you before you leave. Um, All right. First one, um, give me your bold prediction of what 
not necessarily in terms of the series, but just one factor in the series. Um, you know, maybe a matchup or maybe like an adjustment or anything like that. Give me one bold prediction. Mm, one bold prediction. Yeah. If, if uh, you want, I can give you one first and then you can think about right, it. All right. Because I am surprising you with this. My bold prediction, I've already given it um, on the live call-in show uh, yesterday, but my bold prediction is Fred VanVleet's going to outplay Kemba Walker in the series. And it's saying a lot. Obviously, Kemba's an established all-star in this league. Um, you know, he played in the all-star game. As Celtics fans remember, um, you know, they were very mad at Nick Nurse for playing Kemba Walker, like 16 straight minutes on a bad knee. And Kemba was out for much of the year because of it. Uh, I would say that's just a case of fair play. Um, if you wanted uh, to have your coach in the all-star game, maybe you should have, uh, you know, played better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see Fred outplaying Kemba. I think that would be a big ask, um, even though Fred has been playing amazing. But I think it's also doable. I think Fred's defense is, you know, obviously incredible on-ball defense. We saw it last year in the finals. You know, Kemba is like, you know, a, 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 obviously, I mean, it's not even a comparison to Steph, but, you know, similar style of player, I guess. And, and Fred did pretty well in that matchup against, uh, you know, uh, you know, Steph. So, yeah, I mean, Fred, with the way, based on the way he's rolling too, you know, he's really in a good rhythm. Um, that's my bold prediction. Fred outplays uh, Kemba Walker. I like that. Okay. Uh, okay, so for my bold prediction, I'm torn. I, I have I have two that are circling in my head. One okay. is uh, Norman Powell scores 30-plus in in, uh, in a game. Okay. I, I don't even think that's necessarily that bold, though. Um, um, I mean, it would be pretty bold. Scoring 30 on the Celtics is pretty impressive because they're going to have Marcus Smart on them a lot, I think. Yeah. He can kind of he can kind of neutralize Norm's strength, but I mean I could also see it too. Thirty points for Norm, because I just think the Celtics are probably going to end up having to load up to other threats. Yeah, and and some of those shots are going to fall to Norm, and and the way he's clicking right now, and the way he's attacking the basket right now is uh is beautiful to watch. I <laughs> I think I think he had like twenty five dunks in four games against the Nets. I'm not kidding. Yeah, unfortunately, Rodion Skurugs does not play for the Boston Celtics. Um, that is true. You know, Danny Ainge, it's not too late. Make the call. You don't have great backup centers. Rody uh, could do a – you know, I mean, there was that game, Norm, I think game two or game three, but Norm – I think game three, he shot 11, uh, 11 of uh, – 10 of 11 um, from inside yeah. the arc, which is nuts for yeah. a two-guard. But, yeah, and, yeah, and he's got those, like, you know, little lefty scoop layups and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I, I mean – that would that would really be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one that I was thinking of was a an OG Ananobi twenty point game. Ooh. You think that is crazy? Um, I mean, if they help <laughs> off, uh, okay. Let me see how many times OG has scored twenty in this whole season. Um, I'm gonna guess four times, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like about it's about that. as crazy as saying Fred is going to outplay Kemba or uh, on the right, whole series. I'm in the wheelhouse then, because like yeah. I'm thinking like if he hits four corner threes in a game, gets a couple free throws, a mm-hmm. dunk, you know, yeah, he'll get there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I got to correct myself. OG scored over twenty six times in the season. Okay. Oh, multiple nineteen point games, multiple eighteen point games as well. Okay, so right. Emma, Emma, do not come after me on Twitter. All right. Uh, I totally agree. OG scoring 20 um, is not crazy. Um, Yeah, it'll – I mean, the Celtics defense, I mean, they're going to leave guys open. I mean, they're just very similar to the Raptors, okay? They they copy a lot of the Raptors' flow. And, yeah. yeah, And, I I mean, credit to Brad Stevens for knowing a good thing when he sees it. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
Okay, so uh, I, two more questions. Uh, uh, number two, um, how are they going to survive without Pat McCaw? As you remember, the Raptors' lone win against the Celtics this year, Pat McCaw nearly had a triple-double uh, started <laughs> in that game in place of, I forget who, I think maybe, I forget who, I think OG. I think he played small forward. And he was awesome in that game. His best game of the season by far. Can the Raptors survive without Pat McCaw, who I have to mention averaged uh, 37.7 minutes in those two games <laughs> that he played against. Wow. Oh, my God. He was the minutes per game leader <laughs> for the Raptors this year. So um, how are they going to survive against the Celtics without uh, the three-time champ? Yeah, that'll be tough. It's, uh, I don't know who's going to dribble the ball off their knee. Oh, come on. Come come on, bro. Catch the ball at the three-point line and uh, hesitate until the defense has time to reset. Mark. Uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I I, I do like McCaw's game, but uh, I'm I'm glad he's not going to be a factor in this series. Wow. All right. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, he did have that one great game, and I'm eternally thankful to McCaw for that game because that was one of the best uh, wins of the season was Raptors getting revenge against the Celtics after Christmas. That was a great one. Um, and of course, Tony Brothers officiated that game and gave the Celtics like, you know, twice as many foul calls. Uh, and everybody fouled out in that game. Uh, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, still, Raptors still won. And then last question, uh, your prediction for the series. I've already on record Raptors in seven. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? So if Lowry was healthy, I was going to go Raptors in five. Oh my goodness. What? <laughs> no, di- no disrespect to the Celtics. Uh, no, no, that's I, I would not be picking. That's I would not disrespect. be picking that if Hayward was healthy. I, uh-huh. would, I probably would go seven, but I I do think they're really going to miss Hayward and and just even just the spacing that he brings to the court. Mm. Um, so with Lowry, sort of, <laughs> I mean, whatever the Raptors' version of <laughs> questionable is, like mm. just no information available. Uh, yeah. I, I will go. I'm going to go Raptors in six. Okay. Wow. I'll give them. I'll give them another game. But I. I think. Here, here's a something we have not mentioned at all in this conversation, and I don't think I have heard in any you know pundits conversations that we would definitely be hearing if the situation was reversed is championship experience. Mm. And uh, one team has it. Mm. One team doesn't. Yeah. And uh, I'm going with the team that has it. Wow. I mean, one of these coaches is, uh, you know, actually has the coach for the year, and the other one is just um, always talked about it as if he is one. So that's also a big factor there. Um, yeah, I mean, look, honestly, when it comes down to it, you know, that championship experience does matter. Although the Celtics are they, – they were damn close to getting into the finals that one year. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, they could not contain Jeff Green. Jeff Green, who's been uh, the rocket savior as well. So – Maybe we yeah. maybe we've all overlooked Jeff not Green. Alone in that, I guess. Apparently, Jeff Green is just this awesome playoff player. There's 82 game players, and then there's like I don't know one series players, and that's Jeff Green. <laughs> so, um, all right, Brad. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, oh, appreciate your time me. as always. Uh, you know, watch too much hoops. Um, obviously, great breakdowns. Um, you know, oh, thank I, you very I, much. I'm, I'm going to be dropping a whole bunch of highlight videos of like best of the Nets. Uh, right. best of the defense against the Nets. And stuff oh, come like on, that. bro. Yo, just just give me just give me top 10 Norman Powell dunks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those will be up there, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I don't know how much defense was played against the Nets. I mean, obviously, the Raptors played some defense, but, you know, offensively, that was 
that was great. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Wa- watch your channel. Um, the Patreon's still going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Check it out. Patreon.com slash too much hoops and follow me on Twitter too. Yeah. You're very active on Twitter nowadays, man. I mean, let me, let me see, let me see the progression right now. Not to put you on blast, but, uh, <laughs> one, yo, what, yo, 1,600 followers so far, man. That's, yo, you really come up. I feel like this has been a, like a plus 1,000 in the last couple of months. Yeah. I just joined in like at the start of the season, basically. So yeah, I'm, Damn. I'm pretty happy with it. Humble brag. No, but seriously, no, your, your stuff is blowing up. Rightfully so. I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing it on Reddit, you know, real GM, wherever, like your stuff is, you know, catching on. And I think people, you know, recognize that, you know, you obviously focus, you obviously know your basketball for sure. Uh, but you also deliver a unique basketball product in terms of breaking down the Raptors defense, explaining it. Uh, obviously there's lots to explain because a, the Raptors are great defensively and they're very creative. So, um, you know, much success to you. You've deserved uh, all the praise you've gotten. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, revisiting this, um, you know, this podcast when the Raptors do indeed win in five, and then you can brag about being the only one <laughs> oh, in this man. world to say Raptors in five. I'm going to wind up on, uh, you know, people are going to be at my mentions now. <clears throat> that's no, right. That, that's fine, man. That's fine. <laughs> Hit um, me with the Bill Simmons, a uh, lot of high five video. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, all right, Brad, thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for having to, me. Thanks to KFC for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, game one against uh, the Celtics on Thursday. So, uh, yeah. Speak then. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.